Good morning. Today's daf is daf Lamedalad. Today's shir is for Rafur Shleimer of Pinchas Kalman Ben Rivka. May have a complete and speedy recovery. We got up to about two thirds of the way down uh, Lamed Gimel Lamed Base 33b. Um, the line starts with Akay. So now we bring in Reish Lakish. Reish Lakish is a third answer to the contradiction. Yesterday, well, it actually started in Shabbos's uh, Sunday's daf. Um, but uh, uh, the Gemara raised a contradiction between our Mishnah and the Mishnah in Makos. Our Mishnah says that if a man rapes uh, his sister, he has to pay the knas. The Mishnah in Makos said he gets Malkos. Now, our issue with the contradiction between the two Mishnahs is we have a principle, and you don't get both punishments. So we had Reish Lakish's answer that in general you get Mammon, but sometimes where there's no monetary payment, like in the case in, in uh, Makos, you'll get lashes. And then Rabbi Yochanan came along and says, no, generally you get the lashes, but in our case, you'd have to say it's an exception. Our Mishnah is the exception where he gets the knas. There isn't lashes, either there was no warning or something like that. And now Reish Lakish is the third answer um, resolving this contradiction. So Reish Lakish, Omar Reish Lakish says, Homani. Rebbe Mehi, who's the author? It's Rebbe Meir. To Amar Lokel Mashalim. Rebbe Meir holds you get both lashes and you have to pay. I saw our author of our mission, which says there's a knas, is not choosing knas over lashes. He's saying, yeah, you get lashes the negative for the negative commandment and the mandatory penalty. Oh, e Rebbe Meir, filu bitanami. But wait, if you say it's Rebbe Meir, you're going to run into problems with the next missioner regarding his daughter. The next missioner, it says that if someone um, rapes their daughter, they are exempt from the knas. Now, according to, now, if you understand as you've been understanding till now, will you get the more severe punishment? So, someone who rapes their daughter will be put to death. But according to Rabbi Meir, that you can get both punishments in the next Mishnah, which, assuming if the first Mishnah is Rabbi Meir, which says the cases that were surprised, but you do get the knas, and then the next mission is the cases where you don't get the knas, it's the same author, then, you, then it can't be Rabbi Meir. So it's, no, you, perhaps you'll say that Rabbi Meir holds that you can get lashes and still have to pay. However, he does not hold that someone will be put to death and, and have to pay at the same time. I, there's a difference between like a Mishalem and someone being put to death in Mishalem. It says, Velo, it can't be. Velo, Tanya, we learned in a Braisa. Now, just before we go into this, so where are we holding at the moment? We're trying to find out how could, if you want to say that our mission is Rebbe Meir, and that's why it says you get the class, because yes, he is going to get class for sleeping with his sister, and he's also going to get lashes. Sorry, he's going to get lashes for sleeping with his sister. He's also going to get the knas for having raped a Nara Basulab. That's fine. But the next missioner seems to exempt him from the monetary penalty if it's his daughter that he raped. So we want to suggest that Rabbi Meir holds Mesu Mashal. does not hold that you would be put to death and have to pay the monetary penalty. And that's why the next mission, we're not so keen on that. Just before going to the Brisa, there's an interesting halach. If someone does Geneva, theft, we generally say that that's like at night in secret, you might be able to attribute any theft that shows a fear of people that's done in a secret way as opposed to a more brazen um, like a mugging or something like that um, which is a bit more brazen, that would be gazela. but any theft that falls under the category of Geneva, let's just say sneaks into some, breaks into someone's house at night and, sne- and steals something, that's a Geneva if he steals an animal 
and then he shechs it all. So, so first we know if he's guilty, that he pays the karen, that's the amount he stole, and kefil, a penalty amount, a knas, if he's caught, based in it, and then he's made to pay back. If he shechs it or sells it, so he steals a goat, and he shechs it or sells it, so he steals the cow, and he shechs it or sells it, he has to pay back four or five times the value. So if he stole a goat worth uh, 500 rand, he's going to be paying um, four times the goat, so when he goes to pay the owner, and then he shechs it or sells it, he's going to be paying the owner 2,000 rand, four times the payment. If it's a cow or a bull that he stole and then shechs it or sold, he's going to be paying, uh, that's also again, it's worth uh, 1,000 rand. Um, the, uh, he's going to pay 5,000 rand, five times the value. The keren, the kefil, and three more. If it's a goat or a sheep, it will be keren, kefil, and Two more, but in total four times value. So he says, What happens if someone stole and he slaughtered the animal that he stole on Shabbos? He stole and he slaughtered the animal to, for idol worship. He stole and he slaughtered a shore that had to be stoned, an animal that for whatever reason was destined to be stoned. It becomes forbidden by Hanor, but he stole it and then he slaughtered it. Says he pays and the chachamim hold he's exempt. What do we see now? Let's just take the easiest example: is Shabbos. He stole and he slaughtered on Shabbos. We say he's chayev misa for slaughter for shchita on Shabbos, and he's also chayev the four or five payment. We see that Rabbi Meir does hold. Even someone, this that we've said on the beginning of the parak, come lay but that if someone's chayav to be put to death and they chayav a monetary payment with the same action that we only put them to death, Rabbi Meir doesn't hold for that. The Chachomim would exempt it, but Rabbi Meir says no. So, so what do we see? That Rabbi Meir holds, you do get death penalty and have to pay the monetary uh, punishment at the same time. But that does, so now our Mishnah can't be Rabbi Meir because the next Mishnah says that if someone rapes his daughter, he only gets the punishment and he doesn't have to pay the knas. According to Rabbi Meir, he should have to pay the knas. So the says, no. It was said on it by Rabbi Yaakov, the name of Rabbi Yochanan, for Omri Loa, Omri Bhimri, Omri Bhimri, and Lokish, Rabbi Avin, Rabbi Lai, the whole Chabura Mishmaid, Rabbi Yochanan, some said it was those sages and the whole group in the name of Rabbi Yochanan. Omri, they said, but Tavach al Yedeh Acher, it was slaughtered. Through the hands of another party. I.e., this guy steals it and he gives it to the shaykhet to shecht on his behalf. So the shaykhet is the one who is chayav for shechting on Shabbos. And he's, since he's not being put to death, he's chayav the four or five penalty. So your Rebbe Mad does hold that if someone is chayav misa, they, don't in, they only incur death and not the monetary penalty. That's what he's saying. Oh, now we're just going to work on this idea that someone else is doing the shechita for him. It says, What? This one sins. The shoichet is the one who sins and he's liable. The shoichet is the one who shechted the animal and you're going to say because the shoichet shechted, he's now five, four or five times the, the value of the animal. We have a general principle that we say, If you ask someone to do an avera for you and they go ahead and they do it, you're not liable. They're liable. They don't act on your behalf. There's an interesting discussion. What's the cause for this? Um, why should it be that? Um, one of the answers given is, I can say, if I ask you to go cook me food on Shabbos, and then you go ahead and do it, 
I never ever, or I can ask you to beat up someone for me. Because I never ever assumed you'd listen to me. Why are you listening to me over God? So I've never really made you my shliach. So you're acting on your own behalf. That's one explanation. Um, another one, ein shliach is... But doesn't it depend on who the question who's posing the question? You're saying it's a big scary, or it's the Rav asking a youngster or something. Yeah, okay, so maybe that, that would be a weakness in that reason behind we we have the concept what i'm trying to give is why would it be that maybe that's one suggestion you're going to have issues with it another suggestion given um i think this seems to be expressed more clearly in more like in our not so much as we but um another suggestion is um interesting there's certain mitzvahs we know that you can't the torah comes along and says in certain cases you can appoint a shliach you can ask someone to do a mitzvah on your behalf i want to do that's almost like a novelty. Instead of me going to the woman and putting the ring on the finger and saying, you are married to me, and the kiddushin takes effect, I can say, can you please just go do it for me? I can't get to, uh, can't get to Cape Town this week. Can you go do it for me? So that's a, that's a novelty. So it comes along. But with an Avera, there are certain mitzvahs like tefillin. Mitzvahs that my body need to do, I can't ask you to do. Tefillin, lulav, matzah. Those have to be done by my body. So I can't say, look, I'm really full. Can you do the, can you uh, eat afikoman for me? Um, I'm very, t- I just, I don't, I'm not going to get to shul and I don't have a lulav. Can you shake lulav for me? Can you put on tefillin for me? I can't, I can't ask you to do those mitzvahs on my behalf. So um, maybe averas also can't be done on someone's behalf from that same mechanism. It's something that your, it only counts as an avera if your body does it. So, okay, well, there might be another few explanations, but there's a general principle. So this shoychet is shechting the animal on Shabbos, and that's going to incur this thief four or five time penalty. That can't be. It says, no, the Torah says it's yuchayev for this penalty of four or five times, whether you slaughter it or whether you sell it. Are there two options? How do you incur? Either you Shech the animal, or you give it to someone else. Now, ma mechir alida acher atvich alida acher. Well, just as mechir is always through a messenger, I can't sell the item without another person doing the buying. So, so too tvich alida acher. I, what's he saying? He's saying in there is no. Generally, we do have the principle of einshliach lidvaravera, but the Torah comes along and tells us in this case there is a shliach. Or you're liable even through a shliach. That's what the Torah is telling us here. You're liable even through a shliach. And now we're going to give a few more possible sources that you are in this case of shchita or selling. You chayev even if there is even a shli, even through a shliach. I again generally, if I ask you to do an avera for me and you do it, I'm not responsible. You did that avera, you're responsible. And shliach But in this case. Robert just gave a reason, and we're going to give another few. If I, if I ask you to do that very, and you do it on my behalf, I ask you to shech this animal, or I offer this animal for you to buy, etc., and you do it on my behalf, I would be liable. It is a shliach. So it's the very small tana. They taught, Oyle Rabbo says a shliach. The very chizke tana tachas, Rabbo says a shliach. Okay, two other sources. So where are we holding at the moment? Rebbe, our Mishnah is Rebbe Meir. And he holds when someone's, you can be liable to, loike umashalem, both death, death and not lashes and a monetary penalty. Oh, what about the next case which says, meis umashalem, his daughter, he's exempt from paying? He says, yes, Rabbi Meir holds loike umashalem, but he holds ein misa umashalem. You don't get both the death, high of death and misa. And then, oh, but we see Rabbi Meir holds if someone 
steals an animal and shechs it on Shabbos, he is chayev to pay the four or five payment. Now there he incurs death and the monetary obligation of four or five-fold payment. So he said, no, that's where someone else shechs it. So he doesn't incur death. He doesn't incur death, and therefore he incurs the four or five payment. And in this case, we do say, Okay, Matkif. Matkif lo Mazutra. Mazutra challenges this. He says, Could there be something that if he did it, he wouldn't be chayv? If he did the shechita, he wouldn't be chayv because it's Shabbat. And now his friend's doing the shechita, so he's going to be chayv. You, uh, the the shliach only has as much power as the one who does it himself. So you love mishum to lo mechayev, el mishum to kam lebed rabbi minay. No, we're not saying that he's not chayev. We're saying that his friend is chayev, but kam lebed rabbi minay. Sorry, he's chayev, but kam lebed. Very interesting idea. I think Mervyn, you might have asked someone asked me this a few days when we started the sugya of kam lebed rabbi minay. It's not that when we say you get misa, but you don't have to pay, you. Uh, tear someone's, you burn someone's property on Shabbos. So you chayev for burning on Shabbos and you're going to be put to death and therefore we said you don't have to pay. It's not that you don't pay because you haven't done anything wrong and you're not chayev. You are chayev. The Torah just tells us we're not going to give you both punishments. Interesting enough, a major ramification on that would be should you? Should you pay it back? You burn someone's house down on Shabbos, incurred, you burnt their something value, you burnt their wardrobe down on Shabbos, so now you have misa, but so basically they're going to put you to death, but they're not going to make you pay the money back. Should you pay the money back? Seems very clear from this that you should. The right thing to do would be you should. Based in can't enforce it because they have a principle. The Torah tells them, "Come labor mina, You only give them more severe punishment, but you should pay it back because you do owe the money. And that's what he's saying. Yeah, when this guy, this that we say, this guy, if he would have shechted it, he would be potter from the four or five. That's not because he would be exempt from the four or five. It's because Kamlei Bedrabbon, so he is But wait, if you're going to tell me the case here is where someone else shechted it, why would the Rabbonin say you potter? I, if you told me that it's where the thief himself shechted the animal, so therefore he's high of the four or five, and he's the one high misa, that makes sense why the Rabbonin would say he's potter from paying the four or five. You're giving the most of your punishment. But now that we said it, the case must be where someone else shechted it, why would the Rabbonin say he's potter? Again, Ruvain stole this animal. He gives it to the Shoichet who shechs it. And now we're saying that Ruvain, according to the Chachomim, Ruvain is exempt from paying for the four or five. Why should he be exempt from paying the four or five? He says, no, man, Chachomim, Rebbe Shimon, he... Um, this Chachomim here is Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon has an interesting opinion that any Shchita that could not be eaten from is not considered a Shchita. There's a certain time the Torah says something only kicks in with Shchita. And Rabbi Shimon holds if you shech the animal but it can't be eaten, that doesn't count as a Shchita. Shchita Shainuruya. So what would be an, another example is Kisui Hadam. We know that only when you shech the animal are you liable to cover the animal's blood? If What happens if he does a shechita, but for whatever reason he can't eat that animal? Then there's no mitzvah of covering the blood, because the covering of blood is only on the shechita. So to here, he's only liable to the four or five times payment if he does a shechita. If he shechts the animal that is not allowed to eat it, 
well then it doesn't count as a shechita and he's not liable to four or five times payment. So the Gemara says, oh, that fits very well with um, I have the shechita will not work. But if you shecht an animal on Shabbos, the animal can be eaten. We're going to answer that now, but let's just go back. As soon as you shecht the animal for Avodah the animal becomes what we call Zivchai Mesim. It's not kosher, you're not allowed to eat it. So it's a shechita she'ena ru'iya. It's a shechita that you'll never, be, if you shecht an animal for Avodah you'll never be allowed to eat that animal. So it doesn't count as a shechita. It would be the same as stabbing the animal and that would, and therefore you would not be liable for the four or five-fold payment. So to a shoraniskal, what's a shoraniskal is an animal that has to be stoned. The owner is not allowed to get benefit from that animal, so he would not be allowed to eat it. And therefore, even if the animal is shechted, the owner can't eat it. It's a shechita she'enoruya. And therefore, it doesn't count as a shechita to obligate. The, the penalty of four or five-fold payment only kicks in when it's a valid shechita. This is not a valid shechita. Because he can't eat from it, so it wouldn't. But Shabbos is difficult because an animal shechted on Shabbos can be eaten. The Tanaim we learned in the Mishnah Hashoichet b'Shabbos of Yom Kippurim Afal Pishem Mitzchah Benafshah Shchitik Shaira. If someone slaughters on Shabbos or Yom Kippur, even though the, it's a good, even though he would, he's now liav chayav the death penalty if it's Shabbos or Kores, which is a spiritual death. If it's Yom Kippur, Shritasa, it's a good Shchita. Everyone else can eat from that animal. He's going to be put to death, but everyone else, everyone can eat that animal. So he says, no, Al-Tana holds like Rabbi, uh, like Rabbi Yochanan HaSandla. The Tanya, as we learned in a Bryce, and now this coming Bryce is what's called Masa Shabbos. It's taught in the, the phrase of Bishul, of cooking. But it's any melochon done on Shabbos. If someone does a melochon on Shabbos, can you get benefit from that food? If someone heats up the soup on Shabbos, which we hold is basically bishul, can you eat that soup? If someone does, if someone cooks on Shabbos, can you eat it? Um, if someone chefs on Shabbos, can you eat from that animal? Obviously, you can't cook it, but maybe you want some uh, raw raw meat, whatever it is. Could you eat it on Shabbos? So that's what's called and that's called masa Shabbos, an act done on Shabbos. And what's the halacha regarding it? As we're going to see, the, the, there are many different opinions how to learn this piece. I'm just going to go with one flow as we read through it. But um, it's, there's a big difference. Is he allowed to, the one who did the act, is he allowed to get benefit? And what about other people? Because we want to discourage him. If he is lying or going to do it maliciously, we want to discourage him from doing it. There might be a penalty on him. And a second factor is, did he do it by mistake or did he do it on purpose? So that's, those are the two factors that determine, again, someone did a malacha on Shabbos, are they allowed to get benefit from it? Um, we're going to see three opinions, each one going up in stringency. So if someone cooked on Shabbos, if he shechted by mistake, he can eat from it. And obviously everyone else can eat from it. Then and there. If he did it by mistake, then he can't eat from it. The Gemara um, tells the explain until Motzei Shabbos he can't eat from it. But on Motzei Shabbos he could eat from it. Um, so what would what would a scenario? You wake up Shabbos morning, you think it's Sunday, you fry your egg, and then you realize, oh wait, it's Shabbos. Since it was a mistake, you thought it was Sunday, you'd be allowed to eat that egg. Divrei Rebbe Meir, that's Rebbe Meir. Rebbe Yehuda, Oimei Rebbe Yehuda says one step stricter. What, again, Tosas point out, what Rebbe Meir hold the halacha is if you did it on purpose, that's what Rabbi Yehuda is going to hold for if you did it by mistake. Remember, so Rabbi Yehuda's lenient is like Rabbi Meir's strict. And then we're going to see Rabbi Yochanan Asandla, who's going to take Rabbi Yochanan 
uh, what Rabbi Yehuda says you can't do if you did it on purpose. Rabbi Yochanan Asana is going to say you can't do if you did it by mistake. And obviously if you did it on purpose, he's going to be stricter. So Rabbi Yehuda, I mean, Rabbi Yehuda says, but Shoykeg, if he did the, cooked it by mistake, he didn't realize it was Shabbos, so he didn't realize his counter is cooking, Yoichel the Motzei Shabbos, he's allowed to eat it on Motzei Shabbos. But Mezid, Lo Yoichel Olamis, if he did it on purpose, he can't eat it ever. Rabbi Yochanan Hassan Lo Oimer, Rabbi Yochanan Hassan says, but Shoykeg, Yoichel the Motzei Shabbos, La Acherim Velolo, if it was if he cooked it by mistake, then he can't. Um, on Motzei Shabbos, does it? Sorry, other people can eat it on Motzei Shabbos, but he can't. And Bemezid, if he cooked it on purpose, I, someone cooked food knowing it was Shabbos. No one is ever allowed to eat it. So now this is the point that is important to us for our sugya. Remember we said that, how come if someone shechs on Shabbos, he would be exempt from the four or fivefold? If again, the shoychet shechs this animal on his behalf on Shabbos, the thief would be exempt from the four or fivefold payment. So he said, no, it's Rabbi Shimon who holds that. A shechita she'en a shechita that you're not allowed to eat from, doesn't count as a shechita. And the four or five-fold penalty only kicks in when it's a shechita. Comes along. The Gemara says, yeah, it's like Rabbi Yochanan Asandla. What does Rabbi Yochanan Asandla hold? If someone checks on Shabbos on purpose, you're not allowed to eat that animal. No one's ever allowed to eat that animal. So that's what, oh, so now we understand. When someone checks this, and the, the, the opinions we're going in, is when someone checks this, he's only high of the four or five-fold payment if it counts as a shechita. It only counts as a shechita if you're allowed to eat it. And a shechita down on Shabbos, you're never ever allowed to eat from that animal. Again, the price is in the language of Bishel, but we generally translate it to all melachas. Remember, we'll discuss a few points on it shortly. This is my time at Rabbi Yochanan Asandla. What's the source of Rabbi Yochanan Asandla? Where does he get that if you do a melach on Shabbos, you're never ever allowed to get benefit from it? So, like Rabbi Chia expounded it when they were sitting on the porch of the Nazi. You will guard the Shabbos because it is holy to you. Just as Kodesh is forbidden by Achila, so to Masse Shabbos is also by Achila. If, ah, oh, but then if Kodesh is also by no, then an act done on Shabbos should be also by no. You cook this food on Shabbos, you should not be allowed to get benefit from it, like, because it's called Kodesh. I am. Um, and we know Rashi points out in that price, but you could sell it, you just can't eat it. So you are allowed to get benefit. It says, It's Kodesh, it's but it's for you. I, you can't get benefit. Could this be even if it was done by mistake? Maybe. Yeah, it's still Kodesh, even if the Malach was done by mistake. It says, Those who desecrate the Shabbos will be put to death. Clearly, the Pasuk's in the context, but this context is in Shagek. So that's Rabbi Yochanan Asandla's source that the Melacha of Shabbos is called Kodesh with a few restrictions. Just as Kodesh, you can't get benefit, you can't eat, so too you would not be allowed to eat your Masa Shabbos. Pligi bor of Achav Ravina Chad Oma Masa Shabbos Dorais of Chad Oma Masa Vachad Omer. There's a machloikes, Ravach and Ravina one says that this, that Rabbi Yochanan Asanda says, you're not allowed to get benefit from your, or you're not allowed to eat 
from an act done on Shabbos, is that Doraisa? One says it's Doraisa, one says it's Darabonan. Man to Omer Doraisa, could the Omron. Man to Omer Darabonan, Omakro, Kodesh, Kodesh he. He Kodesh, Vain Masa Kodesh. The one who says it's Doraisa, as we learn from the Posuk. The one who says it's Darabonan, because the Torah says Kodesh he. He Kodesh. I Shabbos is Kodesh. Vain Masa Kodesh, but not an act done on it. So Shabbos is Kodesh, but any act done on it would not be the requirement. Okay. So, so, so what this last point we just added was, it's machroikens whether Rabbi Yochan, this that Rabbi Yochan Sandler says, if you do an act on Shabbos, you're never ever allowed to eat from it. You cook, you, uh, you cook, you bake, you shecht, etc. You're never ever allowed to eat from it. That's the machroikens whether it's Torah or Drabonon. Now he says, Raman to Omer Drabonon, Abenau, according to the one, he says, it's Drabonon. It says, my time with Drabonon, the pottery. What's the reason behind Drabonon that we said is potter? I, back to our case of the four or five-fold payment. We said that, the case that we've established is there was a thief and he got the shoichet to shecht it for him and therefore we said the thief is exempt. We explained why is the thief exempt? Because it's like Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Yochanan Asandla. It's like Rabbi Shimon that if it's, that if some if an animal is shechted but it can't be eaten, it doesn't count as a shechita. And like Rabbi Yochanan Asandla that if it's shechted on Shabbos, you're never ever allowed to eat it. So it's a shchita, so it's not called a shchita, and therefore he doesn't become liable in the four or five fold payment. But if you hold that it's only midrabonon, then midoraisa. If you hold this whole concept of an animal shechted on Shabbos, like Rabbi Yochanan Sandler is drabonon, well then an animal shechted on Shabbos, strictly, technically speaking, without coming onto the rabonon, doraisa level, you could eat it. He says, no, ki kopotri drabonon ashara. Yeah, you're right. When the rabonon said you potu, they were speaking in the case of avoid a zara. And shorhan iskal, but ein an animal shechted on Shabbos, according to the rabbanon, you would be have shechted by your, uh, the thief's friend, the shoichet to shechted this animal on Shabbos would make the thief liable to four or five fold payment, and the only reason that. You, you wouldn't, that person, the thief, would not be high of the four or five fold payment, would be because the. Um, would, Oh, would be because it's a shchita she'ein ruya, like if it's shechted for avodah zara, or shor, or, a, or a, an ox that has to be stoned or shechted. Just that's a fascinating discussion. This master Shabbos, like how far do we take it? If again, first, I mean, I guess one question is how do we pass? And Rabbi Meir, who was very lenient, said if it's done by mistake, everyone can eat it on Shabbos. If it's done on purpose, then only the person who did the melacha can't eat it on. Uh, has to wait till Motzei Shabbos, or. Uh, do we go like Rabbi Yehuda, who's the middle opinion? Basically, everyone holds we don't go like Rabbi Yochanan Asandi, if I remember correctly. I think they might all be brought. Most want to paskin like Rabbi Yehuda, that's the middle opinion. But there are times we say, like, if it's a great need, you can rely on the lenient opinion. So let's say someone accidentally did something to your food that counts on as cooking on Friday night. And now we're going to say, Masa Shabbos, by mistake, you have to wait for Motse Shabbos. But you've got all these visitors coming for supper. So there you can rely, if we're in a great need, you can rely on Rabbi Yehuda that if it's done by mistake, anyone can benefit from it. I mean, even if you could, in that, yeah, so, okay, interesting discussion, how do we pass again and what would be allowed if someone did malacha? Um, also important to note, there's a difference between if a Jew did the malacha, if a non-Jew did the malacha. Strictly speaking, if the non-Jew did the malacha, it's allowed, but we go strict and we say you're not allowed until Motzei Shabbos. Not only that, you have to wait, the time it takes for the malacha to be done. So if it took half an hour to cook the food, then you and, and so non-Jew cooked food, 
then on Motzei Shabbos, you'd have to wait half an hour before you're allowed to eat that food. By a non-Jew, we're in a way we're stricter, but that's because someone's more likely to let a non-Jew do these malachas for him. You're never going to let a Jew or ask a Jew, but you might. So we got a bit stricter with the non-Jew, so that there's no real gain from it. Um, another interesting question is about carrying, because and some want to go lenient by carrying, because carrying you don't change the item at all. When I carry, that's for Shalom, someone carries food to you on Shabbos, and they go through a, through a Rishus Harabim, so now they've transgressed carrying. They haven't changed that item at all. So the halachids might not apply to it. We might say it's not Maaseh Shabbos. And another interesting thing that apply to is That's another important question that they discuss by it. Um, there's one more point. There. there are lots of interesting questions and how it plays out in this discussion. But there's one more um, that I wanted to mention. Comes back to me, maybe I'll mention it at the end. As I said, it's a fascinating discussion. Oh, if 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 they cooked for a sick person, so they were allowed to cook for the sick person. So now the food wasn't a malach, it wasn't forbidden. I mean, the, the cooking wasn't forbidden, so can a regular Jew eat it? Generally, we say by a sick person, no, because we worry it's going to cook more than necessary or that other people can't eat it, but that's a whole question in its own right. Okay, let's go on to the next piece. We're just going to analyze the points we said. So, for example, we said if someone chefs for a photozora, then, then the person will not be liable, the thief will not be liable to the four or five fold, pay, fold payment. So, Tobach, Lavodis Kochavim, if he chefs, Lavodis Kochavim. Why is the owner chay of tashlumim dalad vahey? Again, we said that the owner would be chay of dalad vahey. Kivain de shochat beipurte isale. As soon as he does the first tiny bit of incision, the animal becomes forbidden for benefit. It's now an animal for Avodazora. Ve'ideki kotovach, lav demore kotovach. And therefore, when he finishes the shechita, it's not the owners that he's shechting. It's already forbidden. Again, okay? anything that becomes osur bano is not considered owned by the owner. He's not allowed to get benefit from it. It's not really considered him. One of the explanations is that it's only considered something that you can express your ownership over is considered yours. So you can sell an item. You can eat an item. You can do something with it. But something that's isura hano, that's forbidden for benefit, you can't do anything with it. Just bury it or burn it. Who's the other worshipper? Um, the other worshipper you assume is a Jewish guy. Yeah. Why are we concerned ourselves? Well, so, so we just, we're just discussing the when you would be liable to the four or five fold payment. The, I mean, if you look in Tanakh, Jews were very busy with Avodah Zarah. That's not his worst abayer as the uh, slaughter. Yeah, so, so remember, where we're holding at the moment, the case is you have someone, you have a, a, a thief who stole, and someone on his behalf shechted it for Avodah Zarah. So, so, so the question is, is he still hive in the four or five fold payment? That, that's the question we're dealing with. Technically, you're right. Uh, there, there are much worse things going on here, but someone is still claiming, well, I could get an extra, uh, an extra few thousand rand, or if it's what these Ramaphosa bulls, what they Ancola, Ancola bulls that are going for a few hundred thousand, some even over a, min, uh, over a million for one, uh, one head of cattle. Um, you know, he's he's like, oh, so he stole my eight, my one million rand bull. I'm going to get five million rand for this because he stole it and slaughtered it. 
So he's quite interested in the, in the monetary side of the case, uh, the, 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 the poor victim. Um, so Tova loved them. So, so, but the, so the Gomorrah's question is, but basically, the first incision makes it a cow for Avodah Zorah or an animal for Avodah Zorah, and therefore it's Osurban, or therefore it's not the owners. So when the Shrita is finished, it's not that the other, I don't know whether you say the thief shechted his cow or the thief shechted the owner's cow, but either way, it's neither of those in that case because this cow is Osur Bano, it's an Avodazora cow. So, Omar Rav, Ba'ime Begmaz Vicha, Hu Avoida. Notice where the person shechting it says that when I complete the Shrita, that's when the attempt, that's when Avodazora service takes effect. So, at the same time that he finishes the Shrita, it becomes a cow to Avodazora. And he shechted someone else's an animal that he stole or that his friend stole. Similarly, an ox that's destined to be that has to be stoned is also not his. It's also bano. So he's not shechting the owner's animal. So why should it be chav for a fold, four or five fold payment? So Omar Rabbi Rabbi says, kagon What happened here is. This animal was given over to the Shomer, and the animal killed a person in the house of the Shomer. Right? So now the animal has to be put to death. The Goimer Din of Shomer, they passed in the house of the Shomer that it has to be put to death. The Gon Vugan of Shomer, and it was stolen from the house of the Shomer. And Rabbi Meir holds like both Rabbi Yaakov and Rabbi Shimon. Why? So what, what is that? Even once the judgment is sealed, the verdict is passed, he can return it to its owners. And its Musar is considered returned. A fascinating halacha. Someone is looking after someone's cow, or they borrowed someone's cow. The cow did something that's Chayv Misa. So now the cow is going to be put to death. This cow is ownerless. It's Osir Hano. There's nothing you can do with it. It's, so it's worthless. So you would expect the person who was responsible for the cow to have to pay the owner the value of the cow. But what does Rabbi Yaakov say? He says, no. You can go to the guy and say, here's your cow. You gave me this cow. Here's your cow. The guy says, but I can't use it. It's ownerless. I want to be. He says, no, no. You gave me a cow. I was expected to return the cow. And here's the cow. He holds it counts as a valid returning Interest, um, so that's reverse, so that's the one point that he holds, and the second point. And Rabbi Shimon holds that something that causes a monetary has a monetary ramification is also like a monetary. So, so um, I, this animal is going to save the shomer money because the shomer can give it to the to the owner and say, here's the ox that. I was looking after for you. And you're right, it's worthless, but the owner can't do anything, which now saves the shomer, the value of the ox. So the thief is liable for having stolen, and that would be the case where he's... Um, and that could be a case where um, he stole an ox that he would have to pay back for. Um, yeah, so even though the ox is also and worthless, he can say, again, this is Rabbi Yaakov's principle, he can say, here's the ox you gave me, and I'm returning it. And therefore, um, therefore, it is something that's goyrem mamon, it's saving the shomer mamon. And therefore, when the thief takes it from the shomer and shechs it, he's triggering a liability for the shomer, because the shomer is now going to have to lay out cash to pay the person who's 
Oxy was supposed to be looking after. And don't want to go to Mammon, it counts as Mammon. Okay, so that is... Um, that's this way of learning. So again, remember, we started off, we wanted to ask, this, this whole discussion started off with trying to understand remote. We said, how can you have the monetary penalty in our Mishnah? Isn't it Malkus? And we say Malkus and not Mammon. So comes along Rebbe Meir. We said, no, it's Rebbe Meir who holds that you get Malkus and you have to pay the money. We said, oh, but what about the next Mishnah, which says if it's his daughter, he's exempt from the money? Surely Rabbi Meir holds Misumamun. He said, no, Rabbi Meir does not hold for Misumamun. We then said, oh, but I'll show you that Rabbi Meir holds you can be put to death and Kha Mamun at the same time. Where is that? And we brought Rabbi Meir. He says, if someone steals an ox and shechs it on Shabbos, he has to pay the four or five fold payment. We say he's Kha Misu for shechting on Shabbos and he still has to pay the four or five fold payment. Comes along Rabbi, um, so that's Rabbi Meir. Um, yeah. So, so then we said, so we said, no, that's a case of, we said, no, it can still be Rebbe Meir who holds Misa and you don't pay. If someone's liable to death, they don't pay. What's the case there is where he gave it to his friend to Shech. So the guy stole it and his friend Shech did it on his behalf. And that's what we've been discussing now. Rabbi comes along, Rabbi says, no, the case is where he slaughtered it. By himself. I, we don't have to come on to where he gave it to his friend to slaughter it, where he slaughtered it by himself. Now just remember, the problem with that is now Rebbe Meir is not going to line up because, um, is because Rebbe Meir in the, mission, in the next mission seems to hold if someone rapes his daughter, he doesn't pay. We see that if someone's put to death, he doesn't pay. So here you're saying that if he gets put to death, he still pays the four or five-fold payment, doesn't seem to line up with the next mission. It says, Rabbi And Rabbi Meir holds that someone could be liable to Malkus and the penal monetary payment, but he will not be liable to death and a monetary penalty. Well, we can also go to him. So why does a thief who slaughters on Shabbos become liable to the four or five-fold payments? He says, V'shani hani dechidushu. It's a novel halacha. It doesn't work in the same system as most halachas we find. The Torah said that you liable to a, to a knas even if you even if you'll be put to death, he still has to pay. Right, so we're now making a distinction between what's often referred to as mamonos and knasot. Monetary payment is what you liable directly in correlation to what you did. You damaged someone's property worth X, you pay that's worth 100 Rand, you pay 100 Rand. You damage their property worth 153 Rand, you pay 153 Rand. The mammon is directly. You steal an item, you give that item back, or you pay the value of the item. What's a knas? Whether it's either a set amount, or over and above, or actually less as well. When it's set above, and it's independent. So, for example, if someone still does Geneva, so now they have to pay double. The initial amount is mammon, but this that they have to pay double, it's not directly related to what they did. It's more than what they did. So that's a knas. The four or five-fold payment is a knas. So again, it's interesting. The value of the item that he stole is the keren, and that is mammon. But over and above that, the 
double or the four or the fivefold payment is knas. And knas is unique and therefore you would still be liable to pay it even in a case of um, even where the person would be put to death. You're right, he would not be liable to Mishalem to pay the monetary value, but he would still, if he's a chayev in a knas, he would still have to pay the knas. That's the that's what that's the gist of Rabba. Um, now, very just interesting to think what makes it a knas, what makes it what makes it a novel idea that you should still be liable anyway. What makes it a? I'm saying so. I saw something, but I forgot now. But but remember, you can ask the question in general: Isn't everything in the Torah novel? Uh, you're telling me I have to shake a lulav on. Uh, on Sukkot, you're telling me I can't eat certain foods. It's all novel. I would never have come up with it by myself. So he says, no, we see, generally we see a system in the Torah of how things work, and we see things that seem to not fit in with that system. Um, so we're saying that a knas is a chidush, and therefore it's telling us that even though generally you would not have to pay where you incur debt, you would have to pay the class, pay the penalty. Now, for us, the rabbi, rabbi is going according to his general opinion. We're going to give some other examples where we see rabbi says basically the same thing to Omar Rabbi If someone stole a gedi, he had this stolen kid in his, uh, goat in his house, and he then shechted it on Shabbos. So it was stolen from Wednesday and I shechted it on Shabbos. Chayev, he's liable to pay the four or five damages. Shekfan is Shabbos because he was already liable to pay for the theft before Shabbos came in. However, if he stole and slaughtered on Shabbos, posh tur, he's exempt. Because if there's no theft, if he's not liable for the theft, he's not liable for the slaughtering and the things. Amazing. What are we saying? That when did he incur, he stole this animal? So when did he incur the obligation to pay for the animal? The day he stole it on Wednesday. Now it's Shabbos that he slaughters it, and we're going to add on another three or four, uh, two or three times, so that he's paying four or five. What? Ah. That's a class. He can be, even though he's being put to death for shechting it on Shabbos, he still has to pay the class. So there was the, the mammon obligation was already there, therefore the class can fall. However, if he stole this animal and shechted it on Shabbos, he's going to be exempt from the monetary payment. Why? Because as we know, if someone incurs death and a monetary payment on Shabbos, or sorry, at, the, at death and monetary payment at the same time, like when he shechts this animal on Shabbos, he doesn't pay the monetary payment. And therefore, the class also can't take effect. Rashi explains because we only five as find that's four or five. We never say it's three or four. So if he's not paying the Karen, if he's not paying the amount of what he stole, the, the actual the reparation, then he's um, then he'll be exempt from the class. So that that's another example for Omar Av. Um, yeah, so again, where he is obligated to the monetary payment, then the knas can take effect. The knas can take effect on Shabbos. But the other payments can't take... Um, but the actual monetary payment can't take effect on Shabbos. Um, or can't take effect in a case where he's chayv misa. Okay, 
Now we're going to give another example. Now this is based on the concept of a machteris. Machteris is someone tunneling into someone's house. We know the halacha is if someone's breaking into, tunneling into someone's house, the owner is allowed to kill him. It's considered self-defense. And the general explanation is because everyone, someone knows that if he breaks into someone's house and the owner catches him, he's going to defend his property. It's going to turn into a... So he's prepared. When he's breaking into someone's house, he's prepared to kill. And therefore it makes the owner a victim and he, he would be allowed to kill this person tunneling in. It also makes it that anyone else seeing this person tunneling into this guy's house, it also makes any person the allowed to kill him. So the Torah views it, this is based on Gomorrah's and Sanhedrin, as if he has a capital punishment hovering over his head. This thief tunneling into this person's house has a capital, anyone is allowed to kill him if they catch him. So he has a capital punishment over his head. So interesting enough, so he would be chayav for Misa, but potur, so he's chayav Misa, so he will be potur for any theft he does. Because it's theft done at the same time that he's incurring Misa. So for Omer, Rabbi if he had a lamb that he had already stolen, a kid goat that he had already stolen, and he shechs it while in the tunnel. Chayev. Again, this is, he, he had it already from Wednesday, but he shechted in the tunnel on Shabbos. He's liable. Because he was already, sorry, not to do with Shabbos. It's because he's in, in the Machteris. He's He already stole it. So I don't understand the case how he stole it without the tunnel scenario, but he stole it. Therefore, he's liable to pay back what he stole. And now that he shechts it in the tunnel, well, he's becoming liable to the four or five-fold payment while being having the death penalty over his head because anyone's allowed to kill him. So he is still liable to that extra payment because it's a knas. It's not mamon, it's a knas. It says, However, if he stole it and he slaughtered it in the tunnel, potu. Because since he's not paying for the actual item he stole, because he's chayim misses so he's exempt from the monetary payment, there's no tvichu mechira. Oh, but tricha, why do we need both cases? They seem to be teaching me the same thing. Are they not teaching the same halacha? That if someone, again, if he's already incurred the monetary liability, he can incur a knas even where he's liable of the death penalty. They both teach that. However, if he's, he can't, basically he can't incur the monetary payment when he's liable to death, when he's incurring the death penalty. So why do we need both cases? Shabbos is much more severe because Shabbos would apply forever, whereas this Machteris, it only applies for the short moment. If someone breaks Shabbos, someone shechs an animal on Shabbos, they're liable to death forever. Whenever he's caught or sentenced by court, he can be put to death, even though the Shabbos happened a few weeks ago, a few months, a few years ago. But when can this person, this thief, be put to death? Only while he's breaking in. Once he's left the tunnel, once he's escaped, he can't be put, just put to death. So it's a much, it's an interesting type of death penalty that hangs over him, and therefore maybe he wouldn't apply it there. If you want to say maybe it's only in the case of the, of where he's, if it only, if Rabbi only taught the case of the Machteres, maybe that's because he is, his digging in, tunneling in, is his warning. Aval Shabbos, the boy has raw, aim a law. But Shabbos, where he actually needs a warning, maybe not. 
I may be. There's a severity by this case. Anyone is allowed to put this thief tunneling into death without giving him a warning. Generally, you're only allowed to put someone to death if, you, if they've been warned. So Shabbos, so, so may, we see it's so severe. Therefore, maybe in that case, he would be exempt from the monetary payment and therefore also exempt from the penalty. But on Shabbos, maybe he would still be liable. Shrikha, therefore, we need both cases. Now, Omar Apopa, Apopa seems to say basically the same thing as Rab has been telling us. says, If he had a cow that had been stolen by him, and then he slaughters it on Shabbos, he's liable to the four or five-fold payment, because he's already liable to pay back for the Gneva, before Shabbos happened. As soon as he stole that animal, that cow that he now has sitting in his garden, he's liable to pay for it. That was on Thursday. And now on Shabbos that he shechs it, he incurs the penalty. But that's all because he's already had the money. If the animal, if he had borrowed the animal and then he shechs it on Shabbos, he would be exempt. Borrowing, why? Regarding borrowing, one is only liable when he loses the atom or can no longer return it. So in this case, when he shechs it on Shabbos, that's when he becomes liable to pay. Basically, for the next sugya, we're going to see a little bit of a debate. When I borrow an item from you, obviously I'm obligated to return it. So if you view this, then I'm obligated to return it as a liability on my behalf. I owe you a cow, preferably the cow I borrowed, but if not, any other cow. Or do we say, no, the cow's there and I'm allowed to borrow it. And only when I can't return it, like in this case, I shechted it on Shabbos or something, that's when I become liable to a new cow. I went as the chiyuv to, rep- let's call it replace, but almost slash return the cow, kick in. So what's Rav Papa coming to teach us? Rav taught us two examples with a, with a gedi. And Rav Papa comes and gives us an example with a para, a cow. What's he coming to add? So Rav Papa is coming to teach us a scenario of borrowed. Since Rav Papa holds, I don't want to go into the case now, but where it has a ramification. But basically, as soon as he take, when I come to borrow a cow from you, as soon as I pull the cow out of your house, I'm now responsible responsible to feed it. So maybe you'll say, as soon as I borrow, as I pull the cow out of your house, that's when I am liable to. Um, for its own sin, that's when I'm liable to replace it. Komash Malani comes to see and says, no, the liability to replace it only kicks in when I do something that I can't return it. I lose it, I shecht it, etc. So, what's our, again, so that's why, you might, if I borrow this cow on a Wednesday, and then I shecht it on Shabbos, you might have said, the liability kicked in on Wednesday, and even I occurred death for my shecht on Shabbos, I don't have to, I don't have to return, pay you back. Comes along the Rav Popen teaches us, no, when do I become liable to pay back this cow to you? When I shecht it. So at the same time as I became liable to pay it back, I incurred death, and therefore I'll be exempt from giving it back. That's Rav Popen's Chiddush again. This idea, Komach Malani, comes to teach us that no, it only kicks in at the time that you can't return it. Now we're going to see... Um, Basically, could be a machloke. So, Omer of lehem avien If a father left in his estate a borrowed cow, they are allowed to use it as long as the term of loan is. Again, why we're speaking about a cow is because you would borrow, it's normal to borrow your friend's cow to plow with it, to 
you know, to do something like that with it. But thresh with it. But I would never borrow your kid or your lamb or your, you know, your goat or your lamb. That's not. Uh, that's not. So that's why we're using the language cow when we're discussing borrowing. But obviously, it's not unique to cow. But so this father had a cow that he had borrowed maybe for the whole plowing season. So the his, and then he dies. His children are allowed to use the cow for the whole borrows for the whole term of loan. Mesa If it dies, they are not liable to replace it because they didn't. When the, it's on the borrower, the one who got the who borrowed it, that's liable for this high level of liability. Whereas the the, the children never ever accepted that on them, so they're allowed to use it, but they don't have that responsibility. Because what happens if they thought it was their fault? Father's cow, so they shechted and ate it. Meshamim did that. The may boss of they pay the value of cheap meat. And they don't have to pay the value of good quality beef, which is what they shechted and ate, because they didn't know they were doing damage. They thought it was their father's cow, and their father was a little bit irresponsible. We're going to see it. Basically, their father was a little bit irresponsible. He should have told them or had it clear that I don't have any cows. The cow is my friend's. But either way, so therefore they don't pay for the damage they cause. They don't pay the value of the cow that they shechted. They pay the benefit that they got. That's the main bottom rule. So, so, so that's, again, so the first case is they thought it was their father's and then they shechted and ate it. They paid the Mei But if their father left land, then they are liable to pay for it. Now, some taught this last point on the ration, some taught this last point on the safer. We had two cases. The first case was their father, they, they used this, fa- this animal their father borrowed, died. So we said they're not hive to replace it. They can use it, but they're not hive to replace it. The second case was they, accident, they didn't know it wasn't their father, so they shechted it and ate it. Now, the last line comes along and says, however, if their father left land in their estate, they have to pay back for the ox. So is it going on the first case? I, where someone borrows, where, where their father had borrowed an animal, they're allowed to use it, and if it dies, they don't have to pay back. But if the father had left land in their estate, then they would have to pay back. Or is it on the second case of where they didn't know it was their father, they shechted and ate, they, they didn't know it was borrowed, they shechted and ate it, and then they don't have to, they can pay cheap meat, unless the father, the estate had land, and they pay back. So, so some some say it's going on the ration, some say it's going on the safer. Now we're going to see the ramification. The one who says it's going on the ratio, how much more so on the safer? And he is arguing on Rav Papa. If the estate, as follows, if the estate must pay when it is, when it died, why would the estate have to pay? Because he's saying as soon as the father borrowed it, his possessions, his land, becomes what's it mortgaged to replace it. So when do we see the when do we see it kicks in, the liability to replace something you borrowed? The second you borrow it. Again, granted, generally you will return the same. I borrow your pen, I'll return your pen. I borrow your car, I'll return your car. But the liability to replace it, to make sure you get it back, is as soon as I borrow it. So the father's land becomes bonded to it, and therefore. He would, they would have to. Then, obviously, in the second case, where they shechted and ate it, their father's land's going to be paying for it. And But man, the masni law safer, and that argues on Rav Popper, because remember, the previous point, Rav Popper came to teach us that when do we say the liability to replace the item you borrowed kicks in? When you can't return it. 
Whereas Rav is saying, how, if we understand this this way, Rav is saying the liability kicks in from the second you borrow it. Okay, and therefore the second, and that would be the second you borrow it, all your land becomes bonded to make sure you replace it, like a regular loan. If I borrow money from you, obviously well, the halach comes out with a document, whatever, my land becomes bonded to you. So to, as soon as you borrow this item, whereas again, Rav Popper holds no, the liability only kicks in at the time I can't return it. Comes along now, mind safer, avalaresha law the one who taught this last line that if he had land he has to replace it that is specifically on the safer but that would not be on the ratio and that fits in with Rav Popper why would you hold you liable for the safer because what's, I, I mentioned this in passing why should these sons who shechted this animal thinking it's their father be liable because there's a little bit of negligence. It seems to be Machlokas Rishonim is the negligence on them that they should have checked. Before you go and, go and start tearing their estate apart, you have to check. Do they owe anything? What belongs to other people? You know, maybe their debt. You know, you can't just go and take the estate the second and start uh, shechting the animals and eating it. You have to check. So they're negligent. Or maybe the father's a bit negligent because he should have let his sons know that not everything in his house or this cow is borrowed or something like that. So either way, there's negligence involved. And it's because of that level, level of slight negligence that we make them liable to. If there's land, they have to pay Bosobzu, and if there's land, then they would have to pay. But in the case where there's no negligence, they have this cow that's been borrowed by their father, and it just dies one morning. It's no negligence. Then we would not make them pay. But that's only in line with Rapopu who holds when does the liability kick in? When the animal dies. The animal dies, there's no father. So there's no one to pay who's liable for that animal dying. Um, that, that's rough. So, so this fits in with Rav Papa. Okay, and we'll leave it there for today. We'll continue with it, the sugya tomorrow.